Welcome back to another distinct nostalgia by MIM. Brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mercy Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home. Now for something very special. An award-winning drama produced by the same team behind Distinct Nostalgia about the Hollywood legend Rock Hudson. It's exactly 35 years since the world lost him to AIDS. And here, Betty Bourne and Michael Xavier star in Rock by Tim Fountain, which tells the story of how Roy Harold Scherer, as he was born, became a massive movie star. And stick around at the end for an exclusive interview with the show's writer. Enjoy. Distinct drama. Fresh and original. Made in Manchester presents Rock by Tim Fountain. Starring Betty Bourne as Henry Wilson and Michael Xavier as Rock Hudson. Rock is based loosely on true events. Good evening. Tonight, mystery surrounds a condition of the actor Rock Hudson. The Hollywood heartthrob is in a Paris hospital where he's being treated for a mystery illness. A hospital spokesman earlier flatly denied rumors that Mr. Hudson was being treated for the condition known as AIDS. Hudson was last seen in public at the launch of his great friend Doris Day's Rock, chat turn show. that off. I want to watch. Turn it off. Of ho- Jesus Christ, what a mess. Well, just ignore that shit. I've got John and Danny working on chartering you a 747 to get you back to UCLA. Yeah, and what then? Well, who knows what tomorrow will bring? Yeah. We both know what tomorrow will bring. <clears throat> Dale, how the hell did I end up here? Lying to everyone. To my fans. Even to the people close to me. What choice do you have? Tell the world that Rock Hudson is gay? That he has AIDS? <coughs> Try and get some rest. You know, last night I had this dream. It was so vivid. I was back in Hollywood. My first time in Henry Wilson's old office on the strip. A gawky kid in a second-hand suit. Could barely say his own name without blushing. <sighs> Do you think I could have played it differently, Dale? Frank, don't give me this shit. I'm offering you one of the world's greatest movie stars. She is not over the hill, and she does not have a drink problem. She has a problem when she cannot get a drink. It's quite different. So a handshake in the morning. Shoot her in the fucking afternoon. Have a seat, Roy. Who are you thinking of? Are you kidding? She can clear a theater quicker than about a dysentery. How do I know? Frank, I make it my business to know. Listen to me. No, listen to me. If you want Rory Colon in your next picture, you will use Margaret Woodward in this. No, that is not a threat. It is a statement of fact. Yeah, while I do have the power, and like it or loathe it, that's how it is. And go open a fucking flower store. Nobody ever said it would be fair. No more calls today, Phyllis. Yes, Mr. Wilson. Sorry about that, Roy. Always the same Friday afternoon. Everybody wants to clear their desks before the weekend so they get out to the bars and celebrate their week's little victories. It's great to see you again. And you, sir. There was some party Sunday. Yes, sir. John always gets the coolest guys around his pool. So how's your week been? Uh, Dull, sir. You're working in the mail room at MGM, right? Yes, sir. How's that? Dark, sir. You know what they say? Nothing interesting ever happened in the light, bro. (laughs) Nothing interesting happened in the mail room at MGM either, believe me. 
We were so bored today, we, we started a competition to see which stars got the most fan mail. Who came out top? Well, Marilyn Monroe by ah, Miles. Ah, ah, ah. A good pair of legs goes a long way in this town. So, you want to get into the movies, Roy? Yes, sir. It sounds kind of stupid when I say it. Why stupid? you got to have a dream, kid. Without a dream in life, there's nothing can happen. Look at that poster. Rory Calhoun was nothing more than a two-bit rodeo rider when I met him. Now look at him. You are the star maker, sir. I am, Roy. I am the fairy fucking godfather of Hollywood. Say, how do you fancy dinner at Ciro's? Ciro's? Yeah, they do the best ribeye steak in town. You look like a bit of a carnivore to me, Roy. (laughs) Phyllis. Will you book me the corner table at Ciro's for 8 o'clock? Yes, Mr. Wilson. Why don't we have a cocktail at the Mirror Bar first? Sure. Come on, Roy. We haven't a moment to lose. The lights are coming on down the strip. Let's have ourselves an adventure. <laughs> and we did. What an adventure. That man could drink for America. I was practically dead the next day when he came back to his office. You're looking a little fragile, Roy. I'm feeling a little fragile, Mr. Wilson. Enjoy Ciro's? It was amazing. I never seen food like it. You don't get that kind of place in Illinois. No, sir, we certainly don't. I hope I didn't embarrass you. Embarrass? Well, I felt a bit out of my depth. All those people coming up and speaking to you, I, I didn't know what to say. Nonsense. You looked great. We both did. In fact, you only got one thing slightly wrong all night. What's that? When the waiters come up to take away the plates, don't pile them up at the end of the table for them. That's their job. In fact, if you want my advice, don't even acknowledge the waiters. Just carry on talking like they're not there. I kind of knew I got it wrong from the look he gave me. It's not about right and wrong, Roy. It's just some things give away the fact that you ain't been to those kind of places too often. I ain't. You don't want other people knowing that. Otherwise, they take advantage of you. You gotta appear easy with everything. Confidence breeds confidence, Roy, and this town is all about confidence. The thing you need to understand about Hollywood is nobody knows jack shit, but the successful people give the appearance they know. Yes, sir. Listen, I've been thinking. I enjoyed our time out last night. You're a good-looking kid. I don't have anyone else on my books like you. How about I start to represent you? Sir, I I don't know what to say. You could try saying yes. Yes? Good boy. You just made the best decision of your life. Now, take a look at this. It's a standard contract, same I use with all my clients. Take it away and read it if you like, or just sign it at the bottom and we can get on with the work right away. Looks okay to me, sir. Then sign your name. I don't have a pen, sir. There you go. Welcome to the Henry Wilson Talent Agency, Roy. (laughs) Thank you, sir. You and me are going to have a great time, kid. Now the fun starts. We gotta create a new you. New? Actors are no different to produce in a grocery store, Roy. They stay on the shelf unless they have the right packaging. Let's start with your name. What's wrong with my name? What's wrong with your name? Your name's what's wrong with your name. Women don't fantasize about making love to men called Roy, Roy. Look at my client list. Rad Fulton, Ryan Saxton, Chance Nesbitt, Cal Boulder. These are the names of men ladies want to sleep with. (laughs) Cal Boulder? Yeah, Boulder, as in rock. 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 Rock? Strong, masculine. Rock Fitzgerald? Not Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald sounds Irish. You don't want to confuse people, Rock. You're an all-American boy. That's your USP. My what? Your unique selling point. What makes you distinct from everyone else? 
You are a square-jawed, clean-cut, all-American boy every mother would love their daughter to bring home for supper. I am? You are. We need a name that captures your USP. Um, open that. What is it? A map of our glorious nation. Now, what's the first name you see? Um, Mississippi. Another? Tallahassee? It sounds like the dog. Houston. People will mix you up with John. Give it here. Cincinnati, Grand Junction, Nebraska, Washington, New York, Hudson River. Hudson. Hudson. Rock Hudson. What about Rock Hudson? Rock Hudson? Introducing Rock Hudson. Introducing Rock Hudson. You like it, Roy? I'm not sure, sir. Well, try saying it. Rock Hudson. Again. Rock Hudson. Introduce yourself to me. Uh, hi, I'm Rock Hudson. Hmm. Say, say it like you're giving me something valuable, like Rock Hudson means something. Hi, I'm, I'm Rock Hudson. You are still apologizing. It isn't my name. It is now. Listen, kid. Roy Fitzgerald is dead. You hear me? Dead. Hi. I'm Rock Hudson. Shake my hand. Hi. I'm Rock Hudson. Her name's good, but you still sound like a fucking homo. (laughs) But, sir... Don't even go there. Listen, kid. The movie theaters of this country are filled with women. Young women with their boyfriends, middle-aged women with broken hearts, old women with broken dreams. And why? Because the movies makes them wet, and the movies makes them forget. No woman fantasizes about making love to a man who sleeps with other men. Never have, never will. Look at the way you're standing now. What's wrong with the way I'm standing? That is not the way Rock Hudson stands. That is not the way a 21-year-old war hero who I discovered on a gasoline station stands. Uh, I'm 24. Not now, you're not. From now on, you are 21, and I discovered you at a gas station in Illinois. You did? I did. I pulled up in my Cadillac to get gas, and I spotted you changing the wheel on a lady's car, and I watched you for a bit, and then I came over. And I asked you if you'd ever thought about a career in the movies. Forgive me, sir, but isn't that a bit cliched? Sure it's cliched. It's the oldest fucking story in the book, but it never fails because every kid reading those film magazines in Shitsville, Tennessee, wants to believe the same thing might happen to them. And when it doesn't, they settle for the next best option, being a fan of someone who got lucky. You lived their life for them. So, what happened after I met you at the gas station? I don't know. I asked you if you'd ever considered a career in the movies. And I gave you the train fare to come to my offices in Hollywood and audition for me. And when you did, I said I thought you had some talent. And you were so flattered to be told these things by me. But, of course, you don't believe them yourself because you are a modest man. I thought you wanted me to be confident. At auditions with people in the industry, with real people, you've got to come down to their level. You are one of them. A lucky one who God gifted a talent to. But one of them all the same. So, where did you meet Henry Wilson, Rock? Uh, on a gas station in Illinois where I was working. You sound like you are lying. That's because I am lying. No, you are not. Rock, if you repeat the lie enough times, it becomes the truth. you got to learn to meld fact and fiction together, Rock, until you don't even know the difference. Where did I meet you? Uh, On a gas station in Illinois. Where? On a gas station in Illinois. That was a lucky break. Yeah. 
Is that all you got to say about the moment that changed your whole life? Yeah. What else can I say? Did you know who I was? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't know. Well, how did you know who I was at the pool party? I'd read about you in my movie magazines. So? Okay. Melt fact and fiction. I came over. You couldn't believe it was me. But eventually, you had to believe it because I gave you my card. Yeah. Go on. Uh, so, I was changing this lady's wheel. Pretty lady's wheel. Uh, I was changing this pretty lady's wheel when a huge Cadillac pulled in. And I, uh, I, I saw this guy. This distinguished-looking guy. Oh, I saw this distinguished-looking guy get out. What was he doing there? He was looking for an attendant. Which was who? Frank. No, it was you! Oh, yeah, 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 it was me. So, what'd you do? Uh, I stood up. I said, excuse me, said the pretty lady. Good. And there I was, face to face with him. Did you recognize him straight away? No. Well, what did he say? I don't know. Well, what did I say to you when you fixed my drink at the party? Uh, you asked if I was an actor. And what did you say? I said yes. No, what did you say at the gas station? Oh, I said no. So what happened then? I filled you up. Ha, kid, you're going to get an unintentional laugh there. Ha! <laughs> I, I filled up the car, and you gave me your card. And then I drove off into the hills, and you were left, just standing there in the dust, clutching my card. What happened when I'd driven away? I called you up. Straight away? Yeah. Did you come straight over to me at the party on Saturday? No, I was shy. Use that! Oh, uh, so I held onto the card, and I, um, I put it in an old shoebox at the bottom of my closet. That's good, kid! Where'd you get an idea like that from? <laughs> it's where I used to keep all my movie magazines. Ah, you getting the hang of this? <laughs> so, I, I kept it there, uh, hidden from view because I was scared. Uh-huh. But then, one day, I plucked up the courage to call you. What sort of a day was it? Oh, it was one of those days where life is really flat and work feels like it's going to go on forever and the hands of the clock won't turn. Good. And? So I, I called you up and you offered to see me and you booked me a train ticket and I came to L.A. Good! Good! <sighs> Why the long face, Rock? Uh, it just feels so odd, sir. It's lying, Rock. You'll get used to it. Now, what way do you vote? What? You vote Republican. All my clients vote Republican. And what are the virtues your mother and father instilled into you as a child? I don't have a father, sir. He left when I was very young. Good. We'll use that. Good. Uh, you had to be the man of the house and protect your mother. What virtues did she instill into you, Rock? Hard work and loyalty. And she told you to help little old ladies across the street, didn't she? Yes, sir. And she told you to salute the flag on Independence Day, didn't she? Yes, sir. And she told you to be proud to be an American, didn't she? Yes, sir. Now, walk across the room like a real man. Keep your voice low and your pecs high. Stride. Walk like a real American. Walk like a soldier in the victory parade in Times Square. Walk like your father walked when he strode out the door. Keep going. Better. Keep going. Okay, now, introduce yourself to me. Hi, I'm Rock Hudson. Think I am special. Hi. I'm Rock Hudson. Again. Hi. I am Rock Hudson. Good. Right, get your coat on. I'm going to introduce Rock Hudson to Hollywood. He had some nerve. <laughs> oh, yeah. Henry always said, if you tell a big enough lie, everyone will believe you. Of course, he didn't just stop at changing my name. 
better sound, eh, Rock? It's a great piano, Henry. Listen, Rock. I've been thinking about the way you sound. Me? We gotta do something about your voice, kid. What's wrong with my voice? Now you sound like you're on top of the fucking Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. A casting director you saw last week said the same thing. Really? You're a big guy, Rock. Your voice doesn't fit the way you look. So, uh, what do we do? Uh, Voice coach? Ah, There's no need for all that bullshit. I have a much better method. You'll probably never be able to sing again, but so what? We're not going to put you in a fucking musical, are we? I like singing, sir. A lot of people like doing a lot of things, Rock. We have to make sacrifices if we want to achieve things in life. All my actors have had to make sacrifices. You go ask Cal or Rory with their cars and their big houses if they regret the things I made them do. So so what do you propose? We're going to snap your vocal cords. What? It's not half as dramatic as it sounds. It'll just lower your voice an octave. Worked a treat for Jack. Are you sure about this, Henry? You sure about wanting to be an actor in the Henry Wilson stable rock? Okay, sing a note. Ah. Uh. Again. Ah. Uh. Louder. Ah. Uh. Louder. Ah. Uh. Louder. Uh. Well done, rock. Now. Introduce yourself to me again. Uh, hi, I'm Rock Hudson. Do it again. Ah! Uh, louder. Ah! Uh, louder. Ah! Uh, louder! Uh, now, take a shot of this. What is it? Just drink it. Oh, that burns like hell. It's meant to. Now, introduce yourself to me again. I am Rock Hudson. <coughs> Again? I am Rock Hudson. <coughs> Congratulations, kid. You've just been born again without the help of God. Oh, it's so painful. No pain, no gain. <sighs> now, I got something else I want to do to you. Oh, cut my dick off. That comes later. Come into my bedroom. What is it? I bought you some new clothes, Rock. Work boots and a tractor shirt. You like them? Not really. I look like something a truck driver might wear. Exactly. You can wear suits and shirts and shit when you start making movies. Right now, we want people to believe you are the real deal. A hungry, blue-collar kid from Illinois. You want me to wear this stuff for auditions? Yep. You sure? Put them on. Now? Why not? Let's see how you look. Don't worry, I'll close my eyes. You gotta understand, Rock. Cinema's a visual medium. We don't think about it, we see it. And you never get a second chance to make a first impression. How you doing? Yeah, okay. Can I open my eyes yet? Yes, sir. That's perfect. You sure? Perfect! You look so much better! So much fucking better! Now, I'll let you into my little secret. I got an audition for you, Rock. Well, what is it? It's a war film called... Uh, I got it here somewhere. Fighter Squadron. At an American air base in England, 1943, conniving Sergeant Dolan manipulates everyone, including insubordinate ace fighter pilot Ed Harton. When Ed is promoted to commander of his group, he must fight his former anti-authority stance as well as the enemy. Can he find the strength to overcome his demons? Or will his tragic flaw bring about his demise and that of his entire squadron? (laughs) Sounds great. Sounds like a crock of shit, but it's directed by Raoul Walsh. Now, he ain't some fucking fairy. He's a macho cunt. 
So go in there in that gear and give him a whole fucking gas station story. He'll love it. He'll think you're the real deal. When's the audition, sir? Four o'clock this afternoon. Sir? I didn't want you to have time to get scared, Rock. Did you get the part? Oh, yeah. Henry knew what he was doing, all right. Problem was, I hadn't a clue. By the time I walked on that set, I was a nervous wreck. I only had one line, and it took me 38 takes to get it out. I want a bigger blackboard. I kept saying, I want a bigger backboard. (laughs) The director was so pissed at me, he wrote to Henry and said, This boy can walk and talk, but not at the same time. I couldn't get arrested after that. So what changed things? Well, Henry came up with another big fat lie. He fed this story to the press that I was dating one of his famous clients, a woman called Vera Allen. And then he painted us both as Oscar in gold paint and had us turn up to the pre-Oscar press ball to be photographed. How <laughs> was I to know you'd have an allergic reaction to the paint? I could have died. Yeah, well, you didn't. Oh, I've been throwing up all morning. I can't believe I went through with all that shit. Everywhere I went, there were bits of gold dropping off me. When I shook anyone's hand, they got gold paint all over them. They were laughing at me behind my back. I never felt so stupid in my entire life. Read that. What is it? Read it. Jesus Christ! Do you feel stupid now? You are in every major newspaper. New York Times, Oscar gets an early outing. Rock Hudson, accompanied by Vera Ellen. L.A. Times, Rock Hudson and Vera Ellen dressed as Oscar himself. L.A. Enquirer, Rock Hudson and Vera Ellen stole the show. <laughs> we didn't. It doesn't matter. It says so in the paper, so you did. I can't believe it. Yeah, well, you better believe it. Henry, you are a fucking genius. I am rather, aren't I? A genius! I told you, kid, I work out what the market wants and I deliver! So what do we do now? Now we gotta keep the story rolling. I ain't putting that outfit on again. I ain't talking about the outfit, Dumbo. I'm talking about you and Miss Ellen dating. Dating? what nice boys do before they go to bed with nice girls. Yeah, I know what it is, Henry, but in truth, we hated each other's guts. And you will be like nine-tenths of the couples in America. That's a blatant lie. So? The press aren't fools. They're not. They fell for my fucking stunt last night, didn't they? This is different. Rock, they need copy as much as we need to be copy. It's a trade-off. Nobody gives a toss whether it's true or not, just so long as it sells papers. Being seen out with an actress who's already established makes you look like a player. Once we've let the story roll a few days, I will then get on to Tony at MGM and tell him that Universal want you to screen test again. Do they? Do they fuck? But it ain't love that engenders jealousy, Rock. It's jealousy that engenders love. What? Okay, I'm going to tip off a gossip columnist that the two of you are having dinner at Ciro's tonight and I'll make sure you are photographed going in. I'm having dinner with Rory tonight. Not now, you're not. Well, it's his birthday. So we'll have another one next year. Listen, we got a window of opportunity here, Rock. By the end of this week, we're going to have you on contract, kid. And he did. And I got to make eight films in 12 months. And bit by bit, I learned how to control my nerves, how to play to the camera, how to play through the camera and speak to the folks in the movie theater. Then, one day, Henry called me into his office. He'd received this script from Douglas Sirk. It's all about a playboy who lives too fast and has a speedboat accident. These guys arrive with a machine to resuscitate him. But across the lake, some bigwig surgeon has a heart attack and dies because he can't get access to this machine. The playboy then goes to pieces and accidentally blinds this guy's widow in a car crash before devoting his life to good works and becoming a surgeon himself. In the last ten minutes of the film, he performs brain surgery on the widow and she regains her sight. It's like Jane Eyre with speedboats. What do you want to see me for? The speedboat. What? The playboy! The lead? Yep. You're joking. I ain't. Sir called me himself. No. I nearly fell off the fucking chair. He'd seen you in that crock of shit you did at the end of last year and thought you looked perfect. You'd be opposite Jane Wyman. 
Oh, my God, she's got an Oscar. Oscar schmaska, how's Mickey Mouse? This is your moment, kid. Seize it. Somehow I got the part, and that was it. Wham. It was like a fire catching hold. I played back-to-back leads, giant, a farewell to arms. Suddenly, from being a no one, I was the number one box office draw in America. But of course, the more famous I became, the more the press wanted a piece of me. And <laughs> not just the press. You see, it was the beginning of the McCarthy era. The FBI were rounding anyone who didn't fit the bill. Commies, pansies. One day, this agent visited Henry. Accused him of having a stable full of queer clients. Accused me of being queer. I thought the Vera Ellen story would cover it. Rock, she's been dating Victor Rothschild for the past six months. Do you not read the papers? Why me, Henry? Rock, you're the biggest box office draw in the country. One high-profile arrest saves them making 500 others. Ask Oscar fucking wild. So what do we do? You get married. What? You marry. (laughs) Who? My secretary, Phyllis. That's ridiculous. You want to be arrested? You want to see everything we've worked for these past few years thrown down the drain? Did you read that cover story, Life Ran on You, last month? Of course I did. But did you really read it? Look, Hollywood's most handsome bachelor, scared of marriage... Fans are urging 29-year-old Rock Hudson to get married or explain why not. They're onto you, Rock. The only way to silence them is to give them an even bigger story. Your marriage. Phyllis won't marry me. Of course she will. She adores you. As a friend. There's no such thing as a platonic relationship between a man and a woman. You make a move on her, she'll go for it. No. I see the way she looks at you. When you come in the office, I notice her voice changes when she takes your calls. She'll go for it. I could stage the wedding. Make sure you get saturation coverage. Give certain magazines exclusive pictures. It would silence every gossip columnist in the land. Get the FBI off our backs. You'd get someone to share your life with. You can always see the odd guy when she's not around. Henry, this is my life we're talking about. What choice do we have? You know, the strange thing was that by the time I proposed to Phyllis, I'd somehow managed to convince myself that the marriage could work. That I could stop seeing guys. And for over a year, that was what happened. But then one day, this guy came around to fix the pagoda in the garden. Phyllis had gone into town shopping. He gave me the come on, and before I knew it, we were in bed together, and Phyllis was stood at the end of it, having come back early. (laughs) Within a year, we divorced, and I went off the rails. Drinking too much, taking more and more risks. Of course, eventually, I was caught out. Someone saw me at a fag orgy and went to Confidential magazine. Rocky's got the pictures! They are going to run the piece next week about why your marriage to Phyllis failed. They wouldn't dare. You are so fucking wrong. So what are you going to do? What am I going to do? You sorted out the other guy? He just wanted money from us. It had not gone to the paper already. How do we get him to pull the story? By giving him a different one. What? Rory Colon's got a criminal record. He spent time in jail before he became an actor. You can't tell them that. What else do you suggest I do? Rory's my best friend. It'll finish him. Not necessarily. It'll just enhance his bad boy image. It'll finish him. What do you suggest I do instead? I can't do that to Rory. You're not doing it. I am. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. But it didn't really solve anything. Henry started drinking more and more to cope with the pressure of it all. And then, one evening, he was arrested for drink driving. Henry, it's here in black and white. The well-known agent was arrested in a notorious area of the Hollywood Hills. Uh, Yeah, that just means the roads are treacherous. Everyone knows what it means, Henry. 
every week it's me that's coming after, the next it's you. The stories will burn themselves out. He won't, Henry. You and me working together gives the press the biggest target in the fairground to shoot at. So, what are you suggesting? That we go our separate ways. Leave my agent. What choice do we have? You can't leave. I have to, otherwise we'll destroy each other. I've made you! He have made me. He being like a father to me. What happened to him? Bit by bit, his power and his clients drained away. It wasn't just my leaving. Fashions were changing and he couldn't. By the end of the decade, he lost it all. I went to see him the day he was leaving his office for the last time. Hudson? Rock fucking Hudson? What do you want? Uh, I came to see you. Nobody ever just comes to see somebody, Rock. Not after ten years of not seeing them. I heard the business had been wound up. I wondered if I could help. I don't need charity, Rock. I don't mean charity. I heard you have to sell the house. That's right. You're in the market. Where are you going to live? I figure a box on the street. How much is the house worth? None of your business. Henry? I don't know what it's worth. Yes, you do. hundred grand. So, if I were to give you a hundred grand, you could stay. What do you want, Rock? I don't want anything. Why are you doing this? Because I want to help. And come back to me. What? You heard. Come back to me. Let's start over. Your business is over, Henry. I'll make you my business. I'll just look after you. Personal management. Henry, it would never work. Is it working now? And you left me, you were one of the world's highest paid movie stars. Now you're appearing in TV shit. What's that thing you're in? Macmillan and wife. I'm being paid half a million dollars an episode. But it's television! You're a movie star, for God's sake! When did you last make a picture? I don't know. Seven years ago, that's when... You never needed new management more. I'm happy doing TV. Not what I hear. I hear some nights you tear around the house like a crazed thing. I hear some nights you sit downstairs in that basement of yours, watching your old movies on the projector and drinking bourbon from pint jugs. You hear wrong. Rock, I know you better than anyone on earth. You ain't happy on the small screen. Why can't you just take my money? Because that's not what it's about for me. If I'd wanted to make shed loads of money, I'd have got onto Wall Street like my father wanted. I came to Hollywood because I believe in the dream. I like to mold people, shape images, alter people's perceptions. I could do it again for you. Henry, take my money. Secure the house. Get yourself fit and healthy. Forget trying to shape other people. Look after yourself. (laughs) Don't you think it might be a little late for that? It's never too late, Henry. Then come back to me, and I will put you in the movies again. The world's changed, Henry. The uglies have taken over. Look at fucking Hoffman. Nobody wants clean-cut guys like me anymore. Then we'll sell you as the exception. Start you back in an independent movie. Make you cool again. Why don't you let all this go? Get a normal life. Who the fuck wants a normal life? This town kills people, Henry. Life kills them. At least in Hollywood you get to live before you die. Look... I can pay off the house and 
I'll give you some extra for treatment. Treatment? For what? Alcoholism. <laughs> you kidding? This stuff is the only thing that makes my life bearable. Well, you deserve better, Henry. You brought a lot of people a lot of pleasure. Uh. Oh, Christ, Henry, please, let me help you. Give me a hundred grand. It's yours. I'll write you a check now. Uh. You know, someone came to see me the other day, asking me to go into queer porn. He thought I had the eye for it. And when I turned him down, he said, Well, all your old clients sound like porn stars. And you know, I went through the list. Red Fulton, Cal Boulder, Tab Hunter. I suppose he had a point. Why did everything have to fucking change? The man who knows the answer to that question is going to make a lot of money. Here. Thank you. At least the truth never came out, eh, Rock? I never sold my story. And for that, I will be eternally grateful. When I'm gone, I want to be remembered as Rock Hudson the actor, not some old queer. Look, I better be on my way. If you need anything, call. Look, Rock! The lights are coming on down a strip. Another night of adventure is about to begin. Take care, won't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. I will come and see you again. No, you won't. I mean it, Rock. I never want to see you again. I want you to remember me the way I was. The way we both were that Sunday at the pool party when you served me that beautiful bourbon on the silver tray. Goodbye, Henry. Goodbye, Rock. You know, I still hate that fucking name. Uh, Look where it got you, kid. Of course, the money I gave him made no difference. He was still forced to sell his house because he'd already double-mortgaged it with the bank. Yeah, that was Henry all over. If he could pull a trick, he would. But then what choice did he have? What choice did any of us really have in those days? Draw the curtains back, Dale. Is that a good idea, Rock? There's still heaps of reporters outside. Draw them back. Rock, please close the curtains. Why? So no one can see how bad I look? Close them, please. I gotta do something. Like I said, the boys are working on chartering you a plane. Within 24 hours, you'll be back in the States away from all this. You think this will disappear when I get home? It'll be more manageable. (laughs) For a minute there, you reminded me of Henry. More manageable. Yeah, put another sticking plaster over the wound. Trouble is, the wound doesn't go away. My whole life has been a lie, Dale. No, not to those who really knew you. Yeah, but to the people who are watching those news broadcasts, who've paid my wages all these years, who've given me the life I've had. You know how that feels? Please, try and get some sleep. Look, Dale, I'm dying of this godforsaken disease, and pretty soon thousands, maybe millions, will die the same way. Why don't we tell them the truth? Try and get people to realize how serious this thing is. Then at least some good may come of it. Have you really thought this through? I've thought of little else these past 48 hours. It's what I want. Then I will draft a statement. What should I tell them? The truth? On July 25, 1985, 
Rock Hudson's publicist issued a statement confirming the actor had AIDS. At the time, he was the most high-profile person in the world to make such an admission. Hudson flew back to Los Angeles on July 31st on a specially chartered Air France Boeing 747. He was then flown by helicopter to the Cedars-Sinai Hospital, where he spent nearly a month undergoing further treatment. When the doctors told him there was no hope, Hudson returned to his house in Beverly Hills, where he remained in seclusion until his death on October 2nd, 1985. Henry Wilson had already died of cirrhosis of the liver in the motion picture rest home in 1978. At his funeral, Rory Calhoun and Pat Colby were the pallbearers. Rock Hudson did not attend. There was no money left to provide a headstone, and so the man who gave name to a generation of actors lies in an unmarked grave. Rock Hudson has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. It's at 6104 Hollywood Boulevard. Rock was written and adapted for radio by Tim Fountain. It starred Betty Bourne as Henry Wilson and Michael Xavier as Rock Hudson. Paul Kendrick played Dale the publicist. Ian McNess was Phyllis and Matthew Ganley the newsreader and narrator. The music was composed and performed by Matthew Ganley. Rock was directed by Tim Fountain and produced and edited by Ian McNess. The executive producer was Ashley Byrne. Rock was a Made in Manchester production. So this is Ashley Byrne joined by um, Tim Fountain in the south of France where he lives these days. Tim, lovely to um, chat to you. Of course, the writer of Rock. Tell us a bit about Rock and where the inspiration came from. And obviously it's about Rock Hudson, but how do you, do you remember how you came about it? Why you decided to do it in the first place? Well, there's two answers to that. One is that I was uh, working with uh, the fantastic Betty Bourne, the actor Betty Bourne, who I'd done lots of shows with before. And uh, the character of Henry Wilson, who was Rock's agent, who was this sort of uh, almost Brian Cox succession-like monster uh, agent uh, who ruled Hollywood with a sort of rod of iron and... Uh, and dominated his acts and changed their names and uh, uh, almost certainly um, used them sexually. Uh, there was a, certainly a Me Too element, but this obviously when I wrote this, it was about 25 years before Me Too. Um, uh, so, so that was one part of it. But if you go right back, the the when I was at school... Uh, I won a, I don't know, I think an English prize or something. And we got to the school speech day and you were given a book token. And uh, I went to WH Smith's because I was quite common uh, and, and there was no daunts in Dewsbury. And uh, I uh, purchased a book on Rock Hudson, who intrigued me. Um, and it was a biography of Rock. And Rock, had, I think, had just died at the time. And the school headmaster uh, refused to give me this book because... Uh, well, they said is because it wasn't literature. Um, so maybe there was an element of revenge about doing it too. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, now, it is an intriguing tale, isn't it? And I know others have tried to do stuff on rock since then. I watched that a mini series that was on not so long ago called All Hollywood on Netflix. And that was interesting to see their version of Henry Wilson. But for me... The true version of Henry Wilson is, of course, your version of Henry Wilson, and it's stuck in my mind ever since. So, um, and I think it's fabulously played by 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 Betty Bourne. Just tell us a bit about um, the story generally. You don't have to go into loads of detail because obviously people are hearing the, the 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 performance and can tell what happened. But um, it was a unique period in Hollywood, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, the studio system was dominant, agents were dominant, and an agent would, you know, uh, pluck a, a a young wannabe actor who was working, say, in a petrol station, and he would bring them in and he would say, well, you look the part, even if you can't act greatly well, I'll teach you to act, I'll change your name, I'll change your clothes, I'll change your voice, um, and I'll make you a star. Uh 
And I think, you know, Hollywood to some extent still works a little bit like that. Um, uh, the the most successful actors are not necessarily the best actors. Um, you know, and, and, and Rock Hudson audiences loved him, but um, I don't think with any... Anybody would pretend he was the greatest um, actor in Hollywood or, or you'd particularly wanted to see his Hamlet um, uh, or his King Lear. Um, but uh, but Rock, did, you know, was, was, was very successful. So there was a sort of Pygmalion element to the whole story that fascinated me. The idea of, of this transformation of becoming someone else, which I guess is something I've... Um, over the years written quite a lot about because I've written about dandies like Quentin Crisp and Sebastian Horsley and, um, and Julie Birch as a female dandy. They were all people who sort of invented themselves, who created a new persona for themselves. Um, and an actor, and Betty Bourne, who's in, in this drama, of course, uh, was, a, was an actor who, who consciously changed his name uh, to a to a uh, to, to a different uh, to to a female name um, for a political reason back in the seventies and the, the days of gay lib, um, so there was a sort of it all it all seemed to um, mesh together if you know what I mean. And it works very well, doesn't it? As a as a as a basically a, a two hander in terms of the you know um, the, the focus on on rock and their relationship. I mean, I mean that's what I always think about it that. Um, you know that that uh, relationship is best focused on in that way, and it came over very well, obviously in the um, radio version, but particularly on the stage. How did you cast, or how did you decide um, to go about finding your uh, your rock? Uh, that wasn't my doing. That was uh, the original stage director of it was uh, was Tamara Harvey, who I think now runs Theatre Cluid. Um, and uh, she she found Michael, and I think Michael had largely been uh, uh, a musical theatre actor, and so this was a bit of a, a departure to just do a, a straight up play. And yet, um, it was terrific. It was a great bit of casting, really. Uh, and uh, and and Michael looked the part. And um, I mean, the only thing that was slightly uh, slightly odd about our stage version, it doesn't matter at all to you listening on the on the on the radio as it were or the audio version was that in reality henry wilson would have been closer to michael xavier's age and so the the sort of uh, sexual element between them the sexual chemistry between them perhaps would have seemed a little less uh, um strange or you know because just the age gap was less um, so that I think we probably dialed down a little bit compared to if you were to redo that now, you might dial that up a bit more because, you know, that's a very contemporary theme anyway. It's that level of exploitation between agent and actor and what, you know, and the stuff that's gone on in Hollywood and elsewhere regarding you know, Me Too, etc. Well, it's interesting because um, that BBC um, uh a story that they did um, about which Hugh Grant was in, of course, about um, Jeremy Thorpe and mm. Norman Scott. Um, I always thought that was a bit odd because actually, in reality, they weren't that far between each other. I think they're only about eleven years between each other. But on the in the film version, you, you got this impression that there was a big age gap, and in reality, there wasn't much of an age gap at all. Really, I mean, there was a big gap in terms of their, you know, one being establishment and the other being, you know, fairly working class and all the rest of it, but. It wasn't a huge age gap, you know what I mean. So I suppose it depends on how on who you get to play the the parts, isn't it? In terms of how they look and all that kind of stuff, really. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, Hugh Grant was was terrific casting for that, and and so in the end, you sort of go, well, if he's terrific casting, the same as Betty Bob was terrific casting, you think, well, let's go with it. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, in the end, you're making a piece of art, not a not a documentary. You know, and so you have you have a certain amount of license. Uh, I think also in the Jeremy Thorpe, Jeremy Thorpe looked fifty when he was twenty, <laughs> so yeah. it, it kind of helped. You know, I don't think Jeremy Thorpe was ever young. <laughs> well, he was he was he was Edwardian, wasn't he, with his hat and all the rest of it? Yeah. So so back to back to the um, the actual um, rock um, play, you say, which then became a, a radio version. I mean, it's for me, it's the it's in the it's in the the language and the words and all the rest of it, and obviously you must have used some artistic license in there as well. But were any of those phrases and words were they things that were used at the time? 
you know, I can't honestly recall. T- I, there was very little record, as far as I am aware, of things Henry said. Certainly things Henry did, you know. So, for example, the the naming of Rock, calling him Rock and going across the map of America, uh, uh, you know, that there, that that is to a large extent true. And, and it's also true that Henry had... Um, an actor called Cal Boulder, and you know he he gave these people these crazily butch names, uh, which which given he was a screaming queen was always quite quite funny in itself. Um, so that you know, so things like that were true, um, but I, I I don't think I hope I'm not um, being disingenuous. Here. I don't recall lifting much dialogue. Whereas other plays I've done, you know, like the Quentin Crisp play, you're very definitely lifting things that Quentin has said or Julie Birchall, things she said or Sebastian Horsley. But with this, I think it was much more a work of um, fiction when it came to the actual language. Um, I think the style, hopefully, was was what Henry had. You know, we we tried to capture Henry's style, his modus operandi. Um, I, I think I'm thinking back, I was very conscious that what I wanted to create was a gay monster. Because yeah. at the time we'd seen lots of, you know, uh, nice gays, and I thought let's see a a, a more interesting, complex, uh, devilish gay character, and uh, and and obviously Wilson uh, was certainly all of that, um, you know, and and also somebody who was who who self destructed, you know, I was interested in a in a, in that element of him, and he, he you know he obviously did self destruct. By the end, nobody wanted to be with him; he was a liability. Um, and he was, you know, he was he was completely in the closet. But then, so were all of them. Um, they were all playing this bizarre game of staying hidden, but sort of staying hidden in plain sight. You know, everybody knew. I imagine in Hollywood that Rock Hudson was gay. Everybody knew that Henry Wilson was gay, but but uh, the public certainly didn't. It was kept from them um, as much as possible. You do definitely, when you're watching it on stage or listening to it um, in this instance, you do at the end of it actually start to feel, which is great about all of the things that you write and any good writer does really, you do end up um, caring for him actually. You do start to think, oh, you feel sorry for him for this because he's in a similar situation in a way, but he's just being a lot more manipulative and a lot harder and a lot, well... We know we know lots of we know lots of gay men who are a bit like that. I don't mean as bad as him, but you know people can be quite bitchy and take it to an to a you know to an extreme, can't they? Yeah, I mean in the end, you know, it, 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 unless one's writing melodrama and, and you you don't want baddies and goodies, you want you want three dimensional characters, you know. So so equally, you want to make Rock a character who, whilst he is manipulated, also seeks to be manipulated. Um, you know, they're, they're, in a sense, they're both victims of of the time in which they were born, and and the you know, so that that only allowed them to operate in certain ways as human beings, uh, and 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 you know, if if there's a tragic element to it, it is that really that they were both victims of their time. Yeah, absolutely. Did you did you see did you see the version um, of? Henry and Rock on that uh, TV miniseries called uh, Hollywood. I did, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I mean, again, because what I liked was it was a different version to mine, but what was there was much more of a sexual element in it. Uh, and as I say, we, we had to sort of, we ducked out of that because P- Betty playing him on stage, the age gap was such that it, it, it went beyond sort of agent fancy and actor to being... Oh, oh, lechy old queen and young, you know, it, it just and Betty just didn't want to go there with that, and that was fair enough. Um, I, I guess I probably would have pushed it a bit more, but it, um, it, you know, so so I enjoyed seeing that element on the TV, which was an element we'd sort of maybe not explored as much. Um, uh, so no, I, no, I quite, quite liked it. I wasn't, I, I didn't totally get on with the whole show. I, I enjoyed bits of it, and then I kept going back. I don't, really quite believe it but it was it was enjoyable i i thought that i thought the person who played that particular part henry wilson was actually one of the better ones i thought it did really well yeah he was he was the best thing in it i thought um but i think wilson is a great character i suspect somebody else will write another play about wilson you know he's got he's got so many layers to him you know and, and he has that monster element which is fascinating you know yeah, no, absolutely. Um, now, we did it eventually, as I say, on uh, radio uh, or as an audio piece. 
Um, how do you think it transferred? Because I think it transferred particularly well, actually, because it is very much about the language in many ways. I mean, obviously, it was shorter than the stage performance, but um, I was quite pleased with it. Yeah, I think it did. I, I think it did work uh, work well on the radio. And, it, and I mean, I, we, I think we did alter quite a bit so long since. But, <laughs> uh, you know, and we, and we placed it in context with the news report and everything else. And I think on radio it became uh, maybe maybe... We 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 made a little bit more of the fact of the significance of Rock Hudson's death in terms of AIDS and HIV and and what that meant because you know it's easy to forget now that when Rock Hudson was diagnosed with HIV and and and, and all the lies that were told oh I'm on a watermelon diet etc etc until eventually they had to tell the truth more or less on his deathbed uh, you know he was probably the highest profile figure on the planet to have contracted HIV um, and is largely credited with altering Ronald Reagan's attitude to it, which up to that point, he'd, Reagan had had written off uh, doing anything about HIV because he, he didn't want to be associated with homosexuals, etc., etc. But suddenly when it was somebody he'd known in Hollywood when he was an actor that Nancy knew, uh, etc., I think, you know, that, that shifted the dial, inadvertently shifted the dial in terms of... Uh, Reagan's attitude to the epidemic isn't it funny we're talking about epidemics again and uh, and of course uh, it's 35 years this year basically when this is going out it's 35 years ago now and I think we 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 originally did the radio version I think on the 25th anniversary so time's flying Tim time's flying we're all getting nearer death <laughs> You're always a cheery note. Always a cheery note. Um, <laughs> um, but do remember as well, we actually got an award out of this. This was the BBC's first um, audio drama award, and we got it. Well, I got a certificate. You got a trophy. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know where it went. I'm not sure where it's gone. <laughs> but but what was bizarre about it was we got this award for audio drama online, and they've never actually broadcast it. Which is just odd, a typical BBC thing, really, when you think about it. But there you go. <laughs> that is quite funny, yeah. How does, how does, just finally, how does it, how do you feel about it when you look back? Because obviously you've done quite a lot of stuff. You did, obviously, Quentin Chris, you've done loads of stuff. How do you feel about it in the, in the pantheon of uh, Tim, Tim Fountain work? Oh, I've not a clue. I think that's for somebody else. I, 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 I haven't looked at it for Donkey. You know, I just, I don't go back and reread my scripts. It's not. I don't think any few writers do it. I think if there's a revival, you 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 obviously would revisit it, you know. But um, so I I've, I've not a clue. I enjoy, I remember enjoying you know lots of it, doing it, and and other bits. You you know you like anything. You look back, and you go, oh, I'd do that better. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, hopefully, people who are listening to Distinct and have heard this for the first time will will enjoy it. There's certain some some great one-liners that come out. I mean, I love I love the bit about making the women wet and all that kind of stuff. That's so funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so, they can uh, get if anybody enjoys it and they want to get in contact with me, they can. They can. Uh, I'm Tim Fountain on Twitter. They can. They can connect. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say that. Um, I know things are different. Just final thing. I know things are very difficult at the moment for everybody in our industry. But um, you know, are you, you managing to keep things going? And obviously, you're still being creative down there in the south of France, aren't you? Yeah, I mean the, the 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 East Endless show that I'd done that was very successful. That was meant to be in Edinburgh this year. It was meant to have played Wilton's Musical, then played Edinburgh. So those have have gone. So so since then, I've just um, got obsessed with YouTube. Really, I've created this sort of <laughs> French Riviera. Uh, travel channel in which I'm going to start telling sort of uh, I've just done the first one now sort of interesting stories about characters who've lived on the Côte d'Azur down the years um, and the first one's about a man called James Gordon Bennett who gave birth to the phrase Gordon Bennett ah. uh, and he was a newspaper magnet of Henry Wilson proportions in terms of how monstrous he was and fantastically rich uh, and he's the man who put a town called Beaulieu Samaire on the map Um and uh, and gave birth to the phrase Gordon Bennett because his life was so excessive that when people saw him behaving like that, they went, Gordon Bennett, and that's where it came from. I never knew that. That's fantastic. Mm. fantastic. He sounds he getting, like he's he, English, but he's not. He was American. He ran the New York Herald. He had a 256-metre yacht, and he loved nothing more than to walk through the town 
pulling the tablecloths from under diners and then buying them dinner and giving them compensation or lighting his cigars with $10 bills. <laughs> there must be there must be some more mileage in that one because I mean Gordon Bennett's un- a universal um I know um, phrase, I, I discovered this and and the uh, the La Reserve in Beaulieu which is a very expensive world renowned restaurant slash hotel where Michael Winner famously spent 48,000 pounds in 2 weeks. Um there is still the James Gordon Bennett cocktail bar. Oh really? Yeah. Grief. So Grief. he's a he's a well, central figure to that. But it's that's another story. <laughs> Good luck with that. That's a really interesting one. And I hope things do improve for you. Like, you know, I yes, hope it improves for everybody. If, they want, if, they, if anybody wants to find my YouTube channel, it's called a queer in Provence. Fabulous. Not, fabulous. not a year in France. A queer in Provence. <laughs> a queer in <laughs> Tim, thank you very much indeed. That's brilliant. Thank you. Uh, bye. This programme was a Distinct Drama presentation. Don't forget to subscribe to Distinct Drama wherever you get your podcasts, where more new dramas will be released in coming weeks and months.